Awesome. I'd invite you to grab a seat, get comfy. Kim and the band will be back a little bit later. And as Em and Lockie said, uh, my name's Chris. I'm one of the communicators here at Beyond. And um, we just want to say we're so glad that you're here with us tonight. If this is your first time or if this is your hundredth time, um, we want to let you know that you're actually joining us in part three of a series that um, actually Emma and Lockie mentioned. It's called Scary Close. And really the big idea, if you're coming in tonight, that we've been looking at uh, through this series, that when you're good at relationships, you're good at life. And really our heart behind this series, and particularly what we're going to look at tonight, is just this idea is that um, when you can get better at relationships, it actually means that you can get better at life. And this is true um, for everyone, whether you're a Jesus follower, whether you don't believe God exists, or whether you're somewhere in between. If we can just get a little bit better at relationships, we can get a little bit better at life. So our hope for you, some would say our prayer for you, is that by the end of this series, that you um, would have some skills in a really, really practical way to get a little bit better at relationships so that your life can get a little bit better regardless of where you sit on the whole idea of faith. Because we just believe as followers of Jesus that God actually hardwired us and God actually created us for a relationship. So Jesus followers should be, I know it's not true and we own that, should be the best people in the world at relationships. And so we want to talk about it and we want to get a little bit better. Um, but I've actually got, as Lockie and Emma said, some special guests some people who are going to be up here with me because they're the professionals. Um, they'll tell you that they're not. They'll tell you, hey, you know, we're just figuring this out on their own. But these, these guys um, and girls are really, really smart. So would you put your hands together and would you welcome to the stage with me Lauren and Nathan? <laughs> now, as they, as they come out and get themselves, get themselves a little bit comfortable, before they introduce themselves... Um, Lauren and um, Nathan, we've been, we've been friends for a while. We've been friends in different capacities. Nathan was actually um, on the team that launched Beyond. So five years ago, Nathan was part of the team that actually started um, the church that you're sitting in today. And uh, Nathan's actually part of the audio-visual team in the morning, runs all the sound and stuff. Uh, but Nathan, what do you do during the week when you're not, um, when you're not at Beyond? So during the week, I uh, work in mental health. I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist. And, like, that's a big word, um, psychiatrist. Um, adolescent is a big word as well. Um, what kind of training, so what, what kind of training do you have to do? Because I'm sure like some people maybe heard of counsellor, psychologist, psychiatrist. What, what's maybe the difference or, or the, the different trainings you have to do? I guess probably the main difference is you start out as a medical doctor and then you do further training in mental health. So whilst we do some of the counselling also, we can look at medications and things like that if they're indicated. Awesome. And, um, and Lauren, um, Lauren's actually, Lauren was actually part of a connect group uh, that I was in. We were, we were in the same connect group for, uh, I think it was two years, nearly or something like that. And now Lauren actually leads the connect group here. Uh, Lauren as well is also part of the team that actually sets up the environment that you're sitting in. She's on that team. And uh, Lauren also gets up really, really early on Sunday mornings uh, to be a part of the Beyond Kids team. And she's here investing in the, uh, in the next generation of, uh, of what are they, 10, uh, 12 years old and under pretty much. Um, so Lauren invests in the next generation of, uh, of 12 years old and under to kind of set them up for success in life. But Lauren, when you're not, um, you kind of just run the show here at Beyond from that. So when you're not running Beyond, uh, what do you do during the week? Um, so I guess I'd just like to start with saying that I don't consider myself an expert. I just wanted to put that out there first. Um, but during the week, um, I basically work in child protection. Um, so I started out um, working with vulnerable children, so in disability, um, in foster care, um, and now I actually do early intervention, so I work with families, work with children to try and avoid them entering the system. So you see some of the really hard, um, really, I guess, traumatic 
um, things that children go through when they're uh, in the middle of broken homes. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of real life dirty stuff. <laughs> so we've got people with a wide um, range of, uh, of t uh, experience uh, and talents here. And one of the things we actually did in the last couple of weeks is we, we wanted to get questions from you. And we sort of said, hey, when it comes to relationships, what are some of, uh, what are some of the biggest questions that you have? And um, a whole bunch of you sent in, sent in a whole bunch of questions. And we're sort of going to use them as the launching pad for what we're going to talk about today. Um, if your question isn't exactly worded here, it's because uh, so many people asked a similar question to you that we kind of bro uh, broke them, uh, or kind of put them all together um, in a way. And one of the big questions that we got, which we'll get to in a minute, is the idea of, well, what does a healthy relationship look like? Um, you know, in, whether that's in dating, whether that's at work, whether that's at home. Uh, but, but perhaps one of the, a better question to ask is to look at, well, what are some of the red flags when it comes to relationships? What are the, the things that are, are not so healthy? Um, Lauren, I'll throw to you. What, what would you say are some of the red flags that we should be looking out for in unhealthy relationships? Yeah, so I think when we think about relationships, we do typically think romantic relationships. Yep. Um, but I guess it is um, quite common to see the exact same things in family, siblings, um, friendships, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so I think big um, red flags that you should sort of keep your eye out for would be things like a lack of communication, um, lack of trust, um, I guess that unpredictability, um, so not really knowing what's coming or maybe thinking you do and then it'll change. Okay, so plans are made and then quickly switched around or something like that. Yeah, and I think too, um, that also, I guess, yeah, it comes back into that lack of trust. Um, yep. I guess insecurities can definitely come out in that. Um, As in like a controlling way, like trying to control who people spend time yeah, with? Or yeah, definitely. And I think there are so like, yeah, those, those big things that are abusive and controlling. And um, I guess what you do think of, yeah, in, in romantic relationships, I think definitely in the last week, we've definitely seen some things in the media. Yep. Um, but yeah, they can definitely present in different ways in friendships and um, yeah, in family relationships as well. Yeah, do you have anything to jump in from what you see, maybe Nath, about what, what are some of the, the red flags that you potentially see, particularly in social situations, because I know you deal with, with a lot of adolescents. I think, you know, Lauren covered it really well. Might just um, expand a little bit and, and think about those little snide comments and the unhelpful comments. Um, mm -hmm. You know, even, even sometimes they can be put across as, you know, I'm just trying to help, but, yeah. you know, that... that Undermining. I'm just trying to help, but what yeah. I'm really trying to do is get you to do what I want you to do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we'll, we'll offer that. Maybe we can look at, well, if that's a, some of the red flags that perhaps we should be looking out for in relationships, um, what, are, what are good or healthy relationships look like? So from my perspective, I, I think, you know, we'll, we'll talk about romantic maybe to start with, because mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of the questions were around that. Yes. Um, Certainly, from my perspective, I think, you know, when you're looking at a romantic relationship and, and starting a romantic relationship, the controlling ones, you, you, you pull your circles in and, and you, you end up with less people around you. And less friends, yep. yep. Whereas I think, you know, from my perspective, in a healthy relationship, you know, you should be meeting a whole heap of new people. There should be new friends. You should be doubling your circles, expanding your circles sure. out, meeting new people, you know, engaging with your partner's friends, you know, they with your friends. Mixing yep. circles. So it shouldn't just be like, oh, well, now that we're dating, we only hang out, we only hang out with mine. It should be, okay, well, I want to meet new friends, I want to experience, I want to share some of your interests as well. well. It's about sharing life, isn't it? Well, it's the best part, right? We get to have all these sorts of uh, conversations. So expanding the circle, um, what, else is, what else would you sort of say is uh, some 
will move us on that healthy path trajectory? I guess, you know, trustworthiness, um, consistency, um, probably, you know, a good idea of what the person's thinking and feeling in each situation so yep. that they're not a closed book to you um, in a relationship. So, so probably like almost the opposite, like that open, healthy lines of communication instead of like holding off and it's almost like now we're sharing so we're on the same page. Yeah, very much so, yeah. And that, that well, that kind of um, segues into one, a really other popular question that was asked is, um, where do you go to look for good relationships? Because we looked at some of the red flags and perhaps people are like, okay, well, well, maybe there are uh, some red flags in relationships I'm in the middle of right now or that my friends have been in the middle of. How do we navigate that? Or what if, you know, I've never seen it modelled, um, what those red, like, never seen a healthy relationship modelled. Where would I go to look for a healthy relationship? I think trying to find people in your life that you value how they're living their life. So looking around and, and seeing who might be in your life that you can, you know, have a look at their values and maybe even, you know, ask them to, you know, share their story with you, even even some mentoring and things like that. I'm a big believer in, you know, trying to find people who have just been through whatever stage of life that you're at. Okay. Um, you know, someone who's just been through a phase is often, you know, more aware of all of the issues that are going on than someone who's, you know, 10, 15 years past that particular phase. Okay, I was going to say, could you explain that a little bit? Because I think for, for some people it's kind of like, oh, I need to get that person who's maybe... 30 years older than me or someone who's kind of really wise and particularly in church world we always talk about that like get a mentor like no one ever knows what that actually means um so what like what's the benefit of someone who's maybe just come out of that phase and just come out of that season as opposed to someone who's maybe gone through that period of time 10 15 years ago i think just the the, the recency of going through it themselves you know they're, they're aware of what some of the issues are um they're a bit closer um you know the up with all of the um, particular language around it and yep. all of the particular ways that people go about things at that particular age group. So, you know, again, you know, someone who's 10, 15 years past, I don't know the social media stuff. <laughs> How am I supposed to help with that? <laughs> and that's, a, that's a fair point. So there was something you mentioned there, like where, where to go to look. It was almost like you tweaked at this idea of values. Um, so it, it sounds almost like before we look out, it's almost like we need to look in to kind of ask that question, well, what are the things that I care about and value the most? And then start to look for those in others. Do you have any uh, practical tools for anyone? Maybe, I don't know if there's a question. I know this is kind of on the spot for you, but like, how do we begin to identify what some of those values are in ourselves first? Oh, gee, you like to ask the hard questions in on the spot, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I just kind of... Um, you're going to get me starting to talk about existential crisis, aren't you? <laughs> um, look, I, I think that when we're on a journey, when we notice those gaps in our life, um, mm -hmm. those things that, oh man, I, I think I should be there or I feel like that's where I should be and, and I don't feel I'm quite there, um, sometimes that can be a healthy question to have a look at. Sometimes it's not. Yep. Um, but reflecting on that and, and, and trying to work out what it is that you think you're striving for, okay. what you're looking for, yep. and, and seeing whether you can identify what that, that might be as a value. No, I like that. So it's almost like it's not necessarily in the social situation, in the heat of the moment when the pressure's on and like, oh, I've got to feel like I've got to do this to kind of live up to this expectation of my friends or my boyfriend or my girlfriend. But it's more of like when you're alone, and there's no one else around, what are the things that you look at and you're like, man, I, 
this is an area of my life that I feel like I want to get better at, or this is a, a value that I want to address. I want to spend more time with friends. I want to spend more time with family. I don't want to be that person that's constantly gossiping and constantly starting. Is, are those the sort of the yeah, things? Yeah, oh look, about? I'm a big believer in working out where your boundaries are before you're in a situation that you need to put them in place. Sure, sure. No, that's fair. Lauren, one of the things you said that um, when, I was, when I was chatting with these two guys, there was just so a whole bunch of stuff that I thought was great. Um, Lauren, one of the things that you said um, is where do we look for, uh, or like what do we, where do we go to to look for good relationships? You talked about this idea of perspective, which I thought was so, so interesting within a culture where we're, we're constantly looking for people who share the, the same perspective as us, and it's like we, we would almost want people to validate us. Do you want to talk about what you shared and how that might be beneficial here? Yeah, if I can remember. Um, I, I think um, we definitely are in a society where it's very independent, it's very about us and me and, you know, yeah, like you said, um, yeah, who's going to validate what I'm feeling and, and I need someone to, you know, support me and all that kind of stuff and I think um, having a healthy relationship means that you can definitely get a different perspective from other people. So I know um, for me personally and I know for a lot of people, um, when they are constantly thinking about something in their mind, um, whether that's an issue or a relationship issue, um, I think you can definitely overthink things. I think you can definitely um, sometimes even change the story. Okay. Um, so you fill in the blanks a little bit? Yeah, yep. yeah. And I think it can be really helpful to um, use those healthy relationships in your life to gain a different perspective or it, it might even be to support your, your perspective. But I think it definitely opens up um, yeah, that opportunity for someone to speak into you and say, hey, you know, I think you're kind of looking at this a different way or, um, yeah, I think you're kind of, you know, yeah, in misinterpreting it. So, yeah, it's really valuable, I think, to have people speak into you and, um, yeah, it just kind of opens up that opportunity to maybe realise what it's not or what it is. Yes, okay, fantastic. I think they can help you work out some of those big ticket items in your life too. You know, those things that you, you, you probably should be on definitely the same page in, in relationships with. Yes, okay, so friendships, romantic relationships, all those sorts of things. And Nate, I'm wondering whether, whether for you, perhaps you see this a little bit more, because Lauren, you're dealing with some, some families, and Nate, you're dealing with like young adults, adolescents. Um, what are some of the barriers or obstacles that people face when looking to kind of invite a different perspective into the conversation? Because that's not always a fun thing to do, you know? Like Lauren's just, Lauren said it, and it's super healthy, and you're like, oh, I want someone who challenges me and brings a different life. That's not always a fun thing to do. So how do we begin to do that? Ooh, um, yeah, it's not at all a fun thing to do. Um, I, I guess it, it can start with insight into knowing that that's there. So again, back to that kind of, you know, sitting down and reflecting on where those areas of growth might be in your life sure. and, and gaining a little bit of insight to start with um, so that you know that there's some motivation there to actually go and find someone in that area. Um, I think, you know, you, you've got to have some motivation for it because it isn't fun um, all the time. It can be incredibly rewarding as well. Um, and, so and so would you say it probably starts with some of the assumptions that we have about ourselves in relationships? If, if we're one of those people and we assume like, oh, well, my perspective is always right, because let's be honest, all of our perspectives are always right, right? Uh, uh, particularly when you're in a fight, like, I'm right, and I just want to prove my point, um, as opposed to perhaps changing some of those assumptions to think, well, you know what, perhaps there's another side of the story, perhaps there's another reason that was something else that was going on, and I want to invite that in where I might have a blind spot. Yeah, when your best friend says something, you end up having a big fight over. Um, maybe it's worthwhile actually going, hang on a second, what were they actually trying to say in that situation? Is that an area for growth or not? 
yes, okay, no, that, that makes sense. And I think that kind of leads us nicely to another big question that was asked, like constantly, um, in one form or another, which are, what are healthy boundaries to have in relationships? So we've looked at some of the red flags. Well, what are, what are some good boundaries that we can set up that invite that perspective, that invite a whole heap of um, yeah, growth and challenge us, even when it's not fun to do that stuff? What would you say, Lauren? Um, I definitely think that um, our relationships and our boundaries are um, influenced and impacted by, I guess, our experiences, our past, um, and I guess in the area that I work in, definitely our attachment. Um, so I guess attachment is something that um, starts, you know, from when we're a baby. Um, and the relationships and the experiences that we have all through childhood, all through um, adolescence, it can definitely form and, and shape who you are. And I guess that definitely impacts then what you seek in a relationship. So when you say attachment, um, what, is, wh what are you talking about like there for, for any for people who perhaps yeah. don't quite understand that term? Yeah, so I guess um, attachment is um, if we're looking at um, like a bond. Um, so definitely um, a healthy attachment um, you would typically see in a child who's got a really good relationship with um, a significant adult figure, whether that's mum, whether that's dad. Um, for some people it might just be a significant adult. So even for teenagers, maybe you've got um, that really good teacher at school that you can go to and, and have a chat with or some advice. So I think it doesn't necessarily have to be um, you know, a family member. People obviously have all different experiences and they um, can just, yeah, attach or bond with someone. Um, but basically it's that feeling of safety, that feeling of security. Um, you know, you're not feeling insecure, you're feeling comfortable, um, open, trustworthy, all those things that we were saying that were healthy. Yeah, okay, sure. And so, sorry, you have, I don't want to cut you off. Um, I guess, um, yeah, so in terms of, of um, attachment and um, all of that being super important, mm -hmm. I think when we're looking at um, healthy boundaries and healthy relationships, I think it's really important for us to understand our own values, like what we were saying before, understand our own values, our own beliefs, um, and also recognise that in the other person. Are they the same? Are they different? Um, can we align with them? Are they conflicting? Yes. Um, and I think that, you know, once you begin to recognise your own and, and understand the other person's, then you can openly communicate about that and, and um, yeah, work together to either continue on or maybe they don't align and, and that's not the right, right fit for you. So if I could paraphrase, and you can tell me if I've got this right or not, that, that the idea of healthy boundaries actually starts more with identifying what we value and setting boundaries around the things that we hold dear. And we say, you know what, I will not compromise on these beliefs that I hold. And, and as a result, I'm going to live in such a way that, that lines up with those. Is that fair? Yeah, and I think definitely like a part of relationships is you will grow in them. So some of your values and beliefs, you know, may change depending on the experiences that you have with that person. But I think if you, if you recognise and, yeah, understand the ones that are non-negotiables, then that's a really important thing to start with. And something that I, that I wanted to, to touch on, particularly... Um, particularly because I see it in my role a lot, and I know I'm sure you guys see it in, in any roles where there's helping people, have a desire to help people, people have a desire to see people change. I see it so much in Christians as well, that they want to just jump in and kind of like help someone because oh, I want to I rescue them, I want to save them, I want to make, like my friend's going through this situation, like I'm the one that needs to be there to make it all better. What are some healthy boundaries that people can put in place when they genuinely care for and genuinely um, love a person or have a friendship with that person 
but at the same time keep themselves safe as well. Um, I know we spoke a little bit about this before, um, and I think there's definitely a difference between, you know, seeking healthy relationships and wanting to be, you know, someone there that um, can listen, that can kind of support your friend or your partner. Um, but then there is also that difference um, of, you know, that unhealthy um, attention-seeking or, or unhealthy reasons as to why you might be wanting to. So, yeah, like you mentioned, um, I think as Christians and I think um, depending on personality, you know, you want to be that person to help. You want to um, be able to support your friend. Um, but I, I think it's really important that we recognise our limits um, I think that, you know, depending on, on our own experiences, then maybe there might be a time when, you know, you can sort of help out a little more because you might have been through that. Or like what Nath was sharing a little bit earlier, you've just gone through a similar thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's also really important for us to recognise when it's too much. Um, you know, like it's not our responsibility to take on everyone else's problems. Yep. Um, and I think if we can be that person, yeah, to listen, um, you know, to, to help them through it, then that, that's okay. Um, but I think it's also about supporting that person to, I guess, recognise what is going on for them um, and, you know, redirect them to the person that is going to be that, that person to, to help them. And, um, yeah, you don't need to take it all on. <laughs> sure. And maybe, Nath, you could speak to that a little bit. Where uh, I'm sure you've seen times where people have thought they were helping and, and instead of redirecting, they've taken on something that perhaps they didn't have the skill set, perhaps they didn't have the ability to handle with. And, and their intention to help has actually been more or had more of a negative impact than they wanted it to. Could you just tell us like what are some healthy ways or what are some ways people can redirect? What does that look like? Well, I might even start off with e even in my role, um, I have to be careful about when I'm sitting with someone and I'm feeling this need to do something for them. Yep. Um, that need needs to be explored um, carefully to find out what what is that actually about? Um, what 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 is really the driver here? What is really being wanted in this situation? Um, okay. Because if you're not sure of that, you you might act or you might refuse to act, and you, you've got a fifty-fifty chance of getting it right, I guess. But it's really important to understand the need. And when you understand that need of what this person's asking for really underneath it all, mm -hmm. you can then act in a much more appropriate manner. Sure, because I'm guessing that, that the reason for asking that is because you could be doing something that on the surface seems like, oh, I'm really trying to help this person. But underneath, underneath the surface, the reason you're doing it is because you want to fill a need within yourself to be seen like the friend yeah, or the potentially. Or, or you're even, you know, not necessarily in your helping your friend, helping your friend. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like I'm taking on this role that really isn't my role to take on um, or I'm trying to fill a need that I think I understand but I don't really understand yep. and, and the need is actually something different to what I can offer or what I'm able to do in, in my role as friend, partner, um, whatever. Okay, and I think that's really important for us to, to um, begin to grapple with and think through. And Lauren, perhaps... Um, a question that was asked a whole bunch as well that I'd maybe like you to address is, is what do we do when, when our friends begin to um, present with some attention-seeking behaviour, whether that's posts on Instagram, whether that's um, perhaps talking to us about um, ideas that they're having or issues. What, what do we start to do and how do we address that in a way that we kind of, um, with healthy boundaries in mind and not taking on too much? How do we address that behaviour? 
Yeah, so I think um, with that kind of, yeah, attention-seeking behaviour, I think we often affiliate it with, with children when, you know, they're saying, oh, they're just being naughty, you know, they're just looking for attention. But I definitely think adults can also be attention-seeking, um, whether it's... <laughs> How would I do that? <laughs> Whether it's that, yeah, the friend who puts up that Facebook status, um, you know, that they've just broken up with their boyfriend or girlfriend mm -hmm. and, you know, they're looking for that extra bit of sympathy. Um, whether it's, you know, you think about a friend who, you know, um, like, you know everything about their life, but they know nothing about yours. Okay. Yep, um, sure. So yeah, I definitely think that it, it can be definitely, yeah, it can be evident in, in the our relationships. The Instagram in accountability posts. Putting this on my story, everyone hold me accountable, I'm going to the gym now, like, <laughs> cry for attention. I'm going to get definitely. shredded, get slid into my DMs if I'm not. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think, yeah, it's, it's super important to not be sucked into that. Okay. Um, and like, yeah, like we were saying before, you know, recognise your limits. Um, you know, there are definitely things that um, even us as professionals... Um, you know, I wouldn't feel comfortable, I wouldn't feel comfortable talking to, to a friend about, you know, there are definitely things that, um, yeah, depending on what we've been through and depending on what we've learnt, um, yeah, just, you want to be there again to support them, but redirect them, you know, don't, yeah, don't take it on. And I think what you just touched on is perhaps really helpful for everyone here and we can just like emphasise that point, that even people who do this for, you know, are in this field professionally, um, have the ability, one of the best things that you can do is have the ability to recognise, here's the line for me, here's the limit between what I can actually offer to someone else and here's, here's what I can't, and that's actually the, sometimes the best thing you can do um, for someone else. And Nath, when we were talking and, and kind of preparing for this, you introduced me to this idea that I, I, hadn't, I didn't know it existed, um, and maybe I'm just dumb, which is probably true, um, but I thought maybe, maybe others perhaps haven't heard of it, this idea of healthy attention seeking, because I thought, like, Lauren, like, when you, oh, it's attention-seeking, like, it's always negative. So what is, what is a healthy attention-seeking? Can you talk that through with us? Well, uh, I guess, you know, uh, attention-seeking may be perfectly okay. I mean, we, we all have emotions. We all have needs that we, we need met. Yep. Um, and attention-seeking, bringing it to the attention of others, is how we get those needs filled. So I don't know whether attention-seeking, I, I get that it's used, yeah. you know, usually negatively, but this idea that we can actually have some self-reflection, work out what's going on and what I need in this relationship and be able to communicate that, that that's healthy attention-seeking. I'm feeling this way at the moment. You know, this is going on in our relationship. This might need addressing. Um, yep. So, you know, that's a healthy way of bringing up that need that we were talking about earlier on that might lead to unhelpful attention-seeking. And, and, with and that perhaps that's addressing one of those underlying assumptions in relationships that, oh, my friend should just know exactly, you should know why I responded with that short text. Like, you should know, of course, you know, when I put three dots at the end of a message, that means that I'm annoyed. Like, you know, so is that like it as well, to actually bring it up in a healthy way that's not kind of trying to pick a fight or... Very much so, yeah. I was going to touch on that later, okay. but, you know... If Let's you touch on it now. touch on it now. I, I mean, if you can't... If, if you struggle to organise, you know, a, a time out at the movies with three mates, I'm not sure why on Instagram this is, or, you know, over Facebook. I'm not sure mm. why you're trying to solve arguments over Facebook um, or, or text or anything like that. It just... It, th there's always that chance of misinterpretation and, and, you know, from my perspective, face-to-face -face is the best way for conflict resolution. Have a talk. And then if you're not sure about why someone's reacting away, ask. Be curious about what's what's going on. 
be curious about yourself. Be curious about your own emotions and thoughts in it as well. Yeah, and I, I really appreciate that because I remember when you said that to me, I went home and I told, I told my wife, I was like, this is incredible. Nathan just shared this thing. Like, but I think there's so many people who are like, no, if I really send this text and I spend time like, writing these 15 paragraphs, they will understand exactly what I'm trying to get across. But there are some things that just cannot be solved over social media, cannot be solved over text message, are, are best either on a phone call or face-to-face. Look, I know I sound old, but no, I think it's got to be done face-to-face. Face-to-face. <laughs> There we go. We'll remove the phone, <laughs> phone part. So as we sort of start to land the plane on this conversation, um, something that one of, the, one of the big, there was a lot of questions around this idea is, so once you have a relationship, whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationship, um, how do you keep those relationships healthy? Like how do you keep them going, I guess is, is probably a, another way to ask the question. Okay, I feel like I've been doing a lot of the talking. Um, <laughs> You're so better at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, how to keep them going. Look, I, I guess we've just touched on the, the conflict resolution. Um, I mean, if you want some skills on, on what to do when you're doing that face-to-face. Yeah, maybe. Well, I think let's talk about conflict because I know that, I, that conflict, I think, is something that no one really likes. No one enjoys it. No one enjoys it. So what, what are the... You call them the three C's, right? The three C's? No, oh, we've got three fair fighting rules. Look, those three fair fighting rules are fantastic. Maybe we should share I, the I can three share fair my three rules. fair fighting rules with you. So this usually is done um, when, I'm, when I'm seeing families, um, but I think it works in relationships. Um, so what, what I say is rule number one is own your emotion in the situation. Um, and, and by that I mean, you know, maybe starting off a conversation with, you know what, I'm, I'm feeling this at the moment rather than you did this. Okay. Um, you did this, we'll get the other person on the defensive straight away. If you own your emotion and say, look, I'm feeling this in this situation, it, it's a bit more open-ended. Um, okay. And, and yep. you may not escalate the situation as much. Sure. Second rule is a contradiction. Um, no absolutes. Um, so that's an absolute, obviously, uh, yep. being no absolutes. Um, I- in arguments, we'll often say, you always. You okay. never. Yep. This always happens. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and again, that can get the other person on the defensive. Um, trust me, adolescent, you know, parents saying to an adolescent, you never empty the dishwasher. They'll find that one time in 10,000 times. <laughs> they haven't, that they did empty the dishwasher and you just lost the argument. So, you frequently, you know, or, or it feels like this happens a lot. So again, you're owning your emotion in that yeah, situation. Okay. This feels like it happens a lot. Um, and, and rule number three is no past bombs. Um, okay. So past bombs get thrown out when you're starting to lose an argument. You know you're losing it. And so let's bring up another issue that I think I can win. Right. I'm going to bring okay. something from the past that we haven't organised out or, or sorted out before, and yep. let's throw that one in. I'm losing this one. Let's bring another one in. And, and in, in doing that, I mean, the whole goal is to win the argument, right? Not actually fight for the relationship. Oh, it's not about the not about the real issue. Yeah, it's about to win the argument. Okay. And so those, those are the three. Fi- Do you want to just go over those three really quickly? Okay. Again? So uh, own your emotion. Own your number emotion. One. Number two. No absolutes. No absolutes. Number three, no pass bombs. No pass bombs. Okay. I love that. I like them. Those good. are good. Those are good. <laughs> so, Lauren, I don't know if you want to chime in, but like how do you, cause how do you keep relationships healthy? Because obviously relationships change. They evolve as you go through different transitional moments in life. Um, we've, got some, we've got people in the room from all different ages. When, you know, when you're in high school, relationships look different to when you're at university when you've got a little bit more time and then you start working full-time and you realise, like, wow, I had way more time than I realised and then you, you um, get married and then you have kids and then you're like, man, how the, like, yeah, so there's all these changes. How do you keep it healthy in the midst of all of that? 
Yeah, I think it's definitely evident that, yeah, over different life stages, you definitely have more time. You have, um, yeah, it's just a whole different even mindset of, of what you want in a relationship or, or what your goals might be out of a relationship. Um, I, yeah, definitely when you've got, you know, work commitments or uni commitments, um, you've got different focuses. Okay. Um, I know, you know, speaking from my own experience, you know, when you've got, um, you know, your uni life and you're single and, you know, you've got time to spend with friends and, and you've, um, yeah, you've got that time to invest in your friendships and then you might get in a relationship and, and all of a sudden, um, yeah, your friends might kind of see you a little bit less often mm -hmm. and um, they might, um, I guess, perceive that as, you know, you're kind of ditching them, you know, you've got this new partner, but it is also about recognising, yeah, your focus and, and where you need to be putting extra time in. And I think um, often, you know, um, friendships may, um, you know, they might disappear um, in those times when, when you have a new relationship. Um, but I think, you know, it's also interesting to kind of see um, maybe that wasn't necessarily a healthy friendship to begin with, you know, you want a friendship that they're going to encourage you in those new life experiences and, yeah, you know, they're going to empower you and, and build you up rather than, you know, make you feel bad or um, that kind of thing. And that comes back to those those red flags. Yeah, so you're talking about more so like friendships disappear, not because your your partner is kind of like, oh, we can't hang out with them, but more because those friends go like, well, you never have the time when I want the time, so now I'm not going to, I'm just going to kind of disconnect a little bit. It is really difficult when that, that friend or that person may not have been through that life stage yet. It is really difficult um, when, yeah, you haven't experienced it. But, um, yeah, I do think it, it is really important to, to recognise, um, I guess, across your groups and across your family, you know, it is important to recognise everyone's life stage and, and where they're at. And I guess also in that too, it's really important to be looking after yourself. I think that, you know, um, we're often social beings you know we yep. want to have relationships we want to be going out and we want to be trying to fulfill that need to you know see everyone and especially if there is that pressure on you to be seeing your friends be seeing yep. your family all that kind of stuff but um it is really important to also take that time um to yourself and and have that self-care because i think that um unless you're doing that and unless you're kind of um reflecting and and um mm -hmm. yeah just being you um, then you're not going to be able to have that time and, and that effort to be able to put into those other relationships. No, that's totally fair. And do, do we have time to, to Yeah. Add? I think it's really important to be deliberate about those stages as well and, and think about, you know, what's going on in your life at any, any point in time. I heard this great analogy about trying to cook on a crappy gas cooktop. Okay. If you've ever tried to have, you know, four burners going at full heat at the same time, it's really hard to do. Um, so I'll take your word for it. We've got, we've got, um, we, we've got pots in our lives. We've got pots of family. We've got pots of work. We might have pots of study. We've got pots of social contact. And sometimes it can be worthwhile thinking about which burner you're going to put each of those pots on. What, what's got to be kept boiling at this point in my life? Yep. And what can I kind of shift to the back burner and just keep simmering in the background? And, and there's different seasons in each year as well. Okay. It might be while you're studying. You need to put that pot right at the front and, and sorry, while friends. While the semester's on, yep. yep. While semester's on, sorry, friends. You know, I can't hang out as much as what we do, but I've got holidays coming up. Let's pull that pot forward. So we've got a little bit more space there. And I, I think that's probably a great place for us to end when we talk about, like, how do we balance that? Recognising and understanding that no matter, no matter how talented we are, no matter how much 
um, we like to prioritize our time, no matter how much we'd like to, the reality is that stovetop shows us the limited time that we have in our life. It shows us the limited amount of priorities that we can have, and we have to prioritize in one way or another because we don't have, um, don't have a, a bunch of unlimited time. Do you guys want to give Nathan and Lauren a massive, massive round of applause? I hope that I hope that um that something just something we were talking about tonight maybe jumped out at you. There was a whole lot of um wisdom and there was a whole lot of stuff we um we didn't even get to. Um, maybe we'll have to do another podcast or something that we can just upload a one-off podcast that we can put up on uh, on the Beyond Church podcast and talk about. But what I really hope is that you've kind of just grabbed something tonight that you kind of think of because um, there's so much and just one thing you could go. You know what? I can if I apply this, if I think about this, whether it's in conflict, whether it's in family, or whether it's thinking about our attachment stuff. Maybe it's thinking about the stove top or thinking, of, um, thinking about those, uh, those three fair fighting rules that I can apply to my life and as a result of applying it, I'll have better relationships and as a result, I'll be better at life. So I'd love to pray uh, really quickly and then I'd love to invite you back next week as we wrap this series up in part four. But let's pray. Jesus, um, we just thank you that, uh, that you're a God who, who, wa- who has designed us and wired us for connection. And that as a result, that we should be um, a people who are constantly looking at ways in which we can have better relationships. But we just thank you so much for the wisdom um, and the experience that Nathan and Lauren have brought to us tonight. I pray that this wouldn't just be a night where we hear this and we think, oh, those, those are such great things. And we're thinking of, um, of a friend that who needs to apply this to our li- uh, their lives or maybe a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a mum or a dad. But we would actually recognize, you know what, there are some blind spots in our relationships as well and that we all have an opportunity to take something tonight and apply it to our lives so that we can be better at relationships and in turn be better at life. So my prayer is that this week we would take that one thing and we would apply it and we would see the change in our life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.